<clears throat> so that was uh, not quite all 76 uh, people, but uh, that was our baptism over the last couple weeks, Northwood, Fremont, and Tiffin, so it was pretty, pretty cool. Um, but first, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7, it's page 963 in the Bible there, if you're using it, the one that's in the chairs there with you, and um, it'll give you some time to get there and I'll talk a little about this. So with the baptism, I, I, I have to apologize, our video camera was cutting in and out, so we didn't get everybody, um, so we apologize. So we're going to do better next year. Uh, next year, we are committing, we're going to buy at least a GoPro or maybe a, a better camera than that. We'll have that capability of shooting it up onto the big screen so that you can see what's happening and um, we'll make sure the video camera is working well. So I apologize for that. Um, but it was a great couple weeks. Again, like, 70, like I say, 76 people were baptized in the three different campuses, nine here. And um, again, that's, that's something that Jesus said for those who have placed their faith in Christ to then, their first step of obedience is to demonstrate, or demonstrate that, to, to share that. Um, and so that's why we do that. It's not for salvation, it's because of salvation. And we're excited about that. Kalahari, I just got a few things here, little administrative details that I'm going to take care of before we get into the message. So just sit back, take notes, mark your calendars, get it out on your Google calendar on your phone. Uh, so Kalahari, Hagen says uh, right now there's four of our students that are going, and um, he's got more of those uh, registration sheets. So he's the taller version of me with a beard. So if you're looking who's Hagen, that's who that is. Um, the budget, I mentioned the budget on the video. Uh, that's sitting outside in the lobby here on one of the bistro tables. So if you are a member of Grace Community Church, Grace Point Church, then uh, that's for you to grab, look through it. Uh, you can, you'll vote on the budget. It's a combined um, budget that you're going to see, all three campuses combined. Uh, just to kind of let you know where we're at, um, so next year, 2020, we're going to tighten up the belt a little bit, budget-wise, and uh, because offerings this year were a little bit behind what we were anticipating, uh, but we're hoping that a strong December will get us back to where we need to be and then give us some momentum going into 2020. So uh, again, it, um, you know, I know people say, Churches, they, oh, they're always about money. Well, we don't talk a whole lot about money here. Uh, God is faithful, and but those of us who are members and regular attenders of Grace Point Church, um, that's our responsibility that God gives us, to give as He directs, to give sacrificially, cheerfully, and uh, so we can impact people's lives like we've been able to do here in the last several weeks. Um, and then uh, some upcoming events. I think we got them up here. Yep, there you go. So, here's a cool thing. A lot of people haven't noticed this, but we had a flood back in August, a small one, and so there's been drywall strips missing in the lobby as you walk in and in both bathrooms. And most people don't even see it, which is good, but it's been bugging me. Um, so anyways, all that's been worked out insurance-wise. The insurance company's going to cover all the carpeting, which is really cool, from the front doors to the back door all the way into the quad, including the offices. So we're getting new carpeting. And, uh, but we need to prepare for that. So I thought it would be kind of a good thing is for us to come together as a church and uh, work together, have a little bit of a, a project to work together. So next Saturday at 8.30, and then on Sunday after the service, we're going to be taking out carpeting, moving furniture around, getting ready, because on Monday, new carpeting is going down. And it should be done and in place by the time we have our 
Thanksgiving Eve praise and worship service. So we got a little window right there that the guys are going to be able to get it in for us. It's going to look awesome. Um, really excited about having it uh, put down. So, and a special thanks to Tim Wendling. Uh, he did. He was able to make it. He's sitting back there. You can raise your hand, Tim. Our, another one of our new members. Um, Tim Wendling and Pat Iberra were here on Thursday and then again on Saturday making sure all that drywall got put back in so we can get rolling on the project. So appreciate those guys doing that. Um, so that's, so uh, Sunday, feel free to wear your work clothes to church because we'll just go get right to it and start working in the lobby and stuff. We'll order some pizza or something for, to eat because you got to have some good food, right? You know, pizza. So. Um, and then bring some tools with you. You know, like if, if you have a carpet remover uh, tool, like one of those big machines, feel, bring that with you. <laughs> I, know, I know some of you guys got those laying around, you know, in the shed. Um, no, if you have one of those straight scrapers, you know, for ice, you can bring that. Um, whatever. If nothing else, just, just bring yourself. It'll be a good time. Wednesday, uh, the 27th, we're going to have our Thanksgiving Day, uh, our Thanksgiving Eve. Now we've, we're expanding a little bit. We're going to do some music that night and Praise and worship time. Bring a dessert to share. We're going to eat some food. Again, you've got to have food. Saturday, uh, December 14th, the grow class. This class is great for those, especially those who have recently come to know the Lord, but really it's, it's good for everybody. What we do is we go through four basic things. Um, how to read and study God's Word. Uh, what's prayer and how do you, you, know, how do, you do that? Um, we talk about the church, the importance of the church family. And then about giving, because we want, again, we want people to understand what God says about giving um, from what the Bible says and not maybe from what other people have said or understood. So that's happening on the 14th from 9 to 11.30. Uh, we're trying something different, doing a Saturday morning class. And I know I'll have some donuts, so, um, you know, feel free to come. We'll have coffee and donuts for that. And then Christmas Eve service, we're doing our first ever Christmas Eve service. And I know it's a busy time of the year, but this is... Uh, one of the best times to invite friends and family who don't typically go to church. And so we're going to be doing it at 6.30 on Christmas Eve. Uh, so make sure you're here for that. Mark that down. Make plans to be with us. Alright, that's all the details. Let's get to, to God's Word here. So we're in a series called Seven. It's out of Matthew 7. And it's the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is one of the most famous sermons. It starts in chapter 5 and goes to... Chapter 7, and I think, just so you guys know, it, it probably took him a little bit longer than 45 minutes. Okay? So if Jesus could go a little longer than 45 minutes, I guess I could if I need to. Um, that joke went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? Wow! Man! I mean, I literally heard crickets. I mean, it's just like, wow, you guys are, you guys are rough. Man! I was telling some of the guys earlier, I'm getting a little bit emotional today, so man, go easy on me. Anyways, so we learned last week out of verses 1 through 6 that context is everything. If we truly want to understand what Jesus is talking about in this chapter, and really throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount, we've got to understand what the context is, because otherwise we'll misunderstand what he's teaching and we'll misapply it to our lives. So last week we looked at the fact that Jesus really say, do not judge. Because people will say that today. Hey, you can't judge me. Hey, you can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And, and then they kind of want to shut down the, the conversation, and then they start throwing out all sorts of you know, personal insults that you, you hate me or you hate you know, whatever it is 
uh, different people that might be doing different things. And so did Jesus really say that we are to never judge? Well, no. He was talking about attitudes. And so the context is he's looking at the the attitude of self-righteous religious leaders and religious people. These are people who think, okay, there's a, a list of do's and don'ts, and as long as I follow those do's and don'ts, I'm good with God, God's good with me. But there's a tendency that when we start thinking that we can earn our salvation, that we start thinking a little bit more highly of ourselves spiritually than maybe some of the other sinners. All right? And so that's a tendency throughout you know, the Bible and, and even history. If you look at any ch- church history, there's always this issue that when people start thinking they can earn their salvation, that there's a spiritual attitude of superiority that happens. So Jesus is saying, no, that's not the attitude to have. What you're supposed to have is those of what a true follower of Jesus Christ is, and that is to have an attitude of humility, of mercy and humility. And so that's the context behind this. Then we have the definition of what it means to judge. The Greek word is krino, if you want to you know, impress your friends and family member. And um, you know, just go up to somebody, so I'm sorry, did you krino uh, that? When you, it means to distinguish and decide. It can be anywhere from evaluation to condemning or punishing, and it's the condemning judgment that Jesus is talking about here. He's not saying never judge, never determine what's right or wrong, never evaluate. We're we're supposed to do it. We do it all the time. God says throughout the Bible for us to do that all the time. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount to do that all the time. It's the condemning attitude. It's this attitude that we think we're more superior than somebody else, and then we make a judgment call on them that we as followers of Christ are not to be doing. True followers of Christ are to judge, as we looked at last week, with mercy, not condemnation. We of all people should understand mercy. We, we get it that God graciously, through Jesus Christ, died on the cross for our sins. And we get that. And so, Because God has been merciful to us, we should be willing to give mercy to others and not condemn them. God hasn't condemned us. Judge with humility and not arrogance. Again, we're sinners. The only difference is that we have the Holy Spirit. Maybe we have have a, a greater responsibility, obligation, expectation placed on us from God because we not only have the Bible, but we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so, though we are sinners and though we do sin, we know how not to. And we know the power behind us in the Holy Spirit who will help us from doing that. And so we should be humble, not arrogant. And then we should do it in order to heal and not hurt. And so in our judgment of other people, the the focus should be, how can I help this person? How can I help this person heal? They're going through a difficult time. How can I help them through the difficult time? Not to hurt them. Condemning judgment hurts people. Religious people who think they're superior to others hurt those people. And actually push them away from God. But we who are followers of Christ, who truly understand what God's done for us, we want to come into the situation and bring healing to that situation. So we bring God's Word into it. We bring His truth, which means we need to know that. We bring the Gospel into that. And we also understand that there's going to be some pushback. That's the whole point he had last week about the wild dogs and the wild pigs. Um, he wasn't calling people dogs and pigs and being insulting. What he's saying is if you try to give something to a wild dog or to a wild pig, and you try to give something of value to them, they don't understand that. And they're going to look at you and want to tear you apart. They don't care what you're giving them. 
And so we've got to be realized, hey, there's going to be some people, when we give them God's truth in a loving, gentle, non-judgmental way in the sense of condemning, when we give them God's truth and we want to share the gospel, they, they may push back on us. And we've got to be aware of that. And, and Okay, step back. Continue to pray for them. Continue to interact with them. And be there for them when things maybe start going further wrong in their lives. And so to connect you with today's message, it can be summarized this way. Judge others the same, with the same attitude you want others to judge you, which is actually the golden rule, which is actually something we're going to read today out of verse 12. So, we've got some more teaching from Jesus. It's, a, it's about prayer. And uh, sometimes people get a misunderstanding about prayer, and especially from these verses, people think, oh man, I just need to ask, and I need to seek, and I need to knock, and I'm going to get whatever God, whatever I pray for. And I jokingly said last week, I'm still waiting for my 72 vet. Um, that's a joke, but no, I mean, I'm seriously waiting for it, but I'm just saying that was more of a joke. But there are things that we pray for, and, and as we pray for them, we start getting discouraged because we're not seeing God answering that prayer. Or at least not answering the way we think we should because we think that's good for us. And so we want that thing. And whatever it might be, may not, we may not be getting it. Then we look at a verse like this and say, what's up, God? He, Jesus said, you'll give me whatever I want. So the question is, is that what he's saying here in these verses? And so we want to break these things down. 7 through 12, and this is what Jesus says. So pull, coming right out of the, the judgment thing, teaching, he says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Sounds pretty good, right? Blank check. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf or some bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? Now, for some of you, you're thinking, oh, I'd love to have a snake. Okay, you know, back then, is you know, in in the first century with Israel, snakes are not really popular. Anybody read the Garden of Eden, right? Okay, so snakes are not really popular. Some of you guys go, "I'll take the snake, I'll cook it up too." I don't mind, you know. Anyways, if you then, being evil, or any what he means there is just sinful, you know, because we all are, know how to give good gifts to your children or good things to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, the perfect Father? Give what is good to those who ask Him. And everything, therefore. And therefore, you have to ask what it's there for, because it's always there for something, and it's always pointing back to what we just got done reading. So, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. And what he's saying here, basically, this is what, if you want to summarize what the Old Testament law was all about, what God wanted Israel to do, it was summarized in basically treating others the way you want to be treating, being treated. So what is Jesus teaching? And then, why does he sandwich it here? Or as a friend of mine from Maryland would say, sandwich. Uh, why would he sandwich it here between judging and doing unto others the way what you want to have done to you? Why, why put that here? And I don't know if you guys read the Bible and ask a lot of questions, I do. And so that was one of my big questions as I was wrestling through this. Because again, context is everything to understanding what's going, on, what's going on here. So in these verses, Jesus gives us a command, a promise, and a proof to the promise 
as it pertains to prayer. And then we're going to, in our takeaways, I'm going to kind of wrap it back into specifically the context that we're looking at here. So, first of all, there's Jesus' command. Words, by the way, context is everything. Words mean things, right? And tenses of words mean things. So, ask, seek, and knock are present active imperatives. It means to continuously do these things. Continuously ask, seek, and knock. It's a command. So, this is cool, all right? So, some people be, are like, well, you know, I, I'm not sure if I should be praying about this. I'm not sure if, if I'm irritating God because I've been praying for this for 25 years. Or, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Is He going to be okay with me asking what it is that I think I need? He loves it. You're obeying Him. It's a command to do it and to continuously do it. To day in and day out go before God and say, I think that I need this. And I would encourage you to say, I think I need this because we may not. All right? and, and to seek, and we're going to kind of break this down. But God wants you to do it, you guys. Don't wonder if this is something that you should do. Yes, you should do it. You should bring your needs before God continuously. And we see here, he kind of breaks it down into three different ways to do that, or three different parts of the, the process, I guess, is maybe how you would say it. So he says first, ask. There, look at that. Magic finger. So ask, it's, it's request. And, and so then as I'm kind of thinking through this, it's the verbal, kind of the verbal part of the prayer. Okay? So I think, I, I think, this isn't a hill to die on, people. I'm, just, I'm studying through this and praying about this, and this is kind of how it makes sense in my head as I'm breaking this down. So we continually ask God for what we need. All right, so you, you have some needs, and so you're continually asking God. And if you have no needs in your life, then there's something wrong. Okay? Everyone has needs, right? So we're continuously asking for God to meet our needs. It could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be emotional, it could be mental, whatever it is, we have needs, and, and God wants us to continually verbalize those to Him. Secondly, seek. The, the word means to search after something hidden. So again, the need is kind of hidden, right? Because we don't, it's there, but we don't even know if it's the right thing to pray, maybe even. But it's the visual part. And what I mean by that is this. In Scripture, whenever um, this word seek is used in relationship to God, it always means to be seeking after godly things. Seeking after God Himself. Seeking after um, God's will for your life. Seeking after how you should maybe uh, respond in a certain situation. Seeking God, uh, verse uh, 33 out of chapter 6, where it talks about seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Same concept there. So as followers of Christ, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, our lives, our purpose for our lives is completely changed. And so now we wake up every morning going, okay, Lord, um, meet my needs today so that I can focus my attention on living life for your kingdom's sake and for you to meet, for me to live life your way. So when I get up in the morning, my focus is how am I going to help other people know who Jesus Christ is? His kingdom is the idea of expanding His kingdom, seeing more people come to Christ. And that's my responsibility. If you're a follower of Christ, that's your responsibility. It's why you wake up in the morning. Okay? 
So you go to work, you go into your clubs, you go into your um, teams, you, you go to your school, you go to your neighborhood, whatever. You're there to represent Christ, to be there for His kingdom, and then to seek first His righteousness, which means to do life God's way. Respond the way God wants us to respond. So this word seek, then, if, it's, if he's talking about seeking and searching for something that's not known or not sure of, then his point is, as I understand it, is not only should I be asking God for what I believe it is I need, I need to be seeking to make sure that's what I need. So, and the only way we really know that is that we spend time in the Bible. So we read the Bible, we study the Bible, we search the Bible, we, we find out where, okay, this is the need I need, the need I have, and th- the Bible talks about this in several different spots, and so I'm going to read through those, I'm going to seek what God wants, and, and I'm going to try to understand that as best I can. And so it's seeking, but it's, it's active, it's, it's visual, it's getting into God's Word. And so we spend time asking God for things, then we get into His Word and we start making sure, is that what I really need? Is that how I should respond? What does God want me to do? And then we have the last one, is knock. It means rap. I almost broke into a rap. But I didn't, you know, some of you guys would be so jealous of me because he could do that too. He's awesome. You know. So uh, I didn't. But, but this is the, the, I put it physical on this one. So, and I'm going to explain more about this in the, in the takeaways, but it's continually working to have the barrier removed. Okay, so just let that kind of hang out there. If you've got your notes, you can write in there because it'll make more sense once we get into the takeaways. But we keep on knocking on the door. And to me, the door is... Some people would say, well, it means... You knock in order to get into God's presence because there are some verses that talk about being in His presence. And, um, but I don't think that's the case because we're already asking, so it means we're already in prayer. So we're not like you know, in, in prayer in God's presence and then acting like we continue to knock in His presence, you know, to get into His presence. We're already there. So it didn't make sense to me that way. Um, but a door is, to me, a barrier. Something that needs to be removed so that I can get to whatever the next room is I need to get to. But according to these verses, it will be opened. I won't open it. God's going to have to open it. God's going to have to do something based off of my requesting, based off of my seeking, to remove a barrier in front of me so that I can get to the next step, whatever that might be, whatever the next thing is. Um, and hopefully that makes sense again. It'll, hopefully, when I get to the takeaways, it will. Jesus' promise. So those are the commands. Jesus promised. He repeats himself, basically. If you continually ask what you need, you will receive it. Alright? That's awesome, isn't it? To know that God's going to provide for us. God's going to make sure that our needs are met. It's just it's astounding that He cares that much. If you continually seek for God's will, you'll find it. If you're in God's Word and you're reading it and you're studying it and you're trying to figure out what God's will is, you will find it. You will See it in His Word. He's going to teach you and show you it. And if you continually knock on a door, it will be opened. So whatever that thing is, is a barrier, God will remove it. Next is Jesus' proof for this. And this is where we kind of bring it all down 
so it, it kind of makes sense, and it's not just saying, hey, whatever you ask for, God's going to give you. He says that the earthly sinful fathers know how to give what is beneficial, right? And that word, the key word there is good or beneficial. So uh, uh, even us sinful fathers, if my son or daughters came to me and said, hey, I, want, I need something to eat, um, I mean, now they do it. You know, they're walking into my house. They've they got their own places. You know, they're adults. But whatever case, we still love them. We still feed them. I'm not going to give them a stone, right? And if, if, they, if they, you know, we give them a fish, and I'm not going to give them a dead snake, Hagen would probably cook it up and eat it. But, um, you know, I'm not going to give them some roadkill. Maybe it's a better way to put it. I'm going to give what's beneficial to them. I'm going to give what they, what's good for them. But here's the deal. What if one of my kids said, No, Dad, I want to eat the stone. No, Dad, I want to cook up the roadkill. I really, 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 really want to do it, Dad. <laughs> well, me being a good dad, I'm going to give him the stone. Uh, open your mouth. You know, toss it right in there. Cook it up, baby. Heat it up. You know, little ketchup. No, I'm not going to, right? We don't do that. No, we sit our kid down and like, hey, listen. You know, there's, there's a couple of meanings to being stoned, and I think you might be right at this moment. Anyways, you don't want a stone. You know, you, you know, some of you guys got that. You don't want a stone. It's not gonna. It's gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna give you a stone, even if you throw. You roll around and act strange. I'm not gonna give you a, a stone. I love you. I'm gonna give you food. I'm not gonna give you a roadkill. You get sick from that. What are you thinking? I'm gonna have a conversation with them, right? You guys would do the same thing, right? All right, one of you. All right. One of you will. That's good. The rest of you, it'll take a while, but we can meet in my office uh, one at a time. So, no. We, and so when, when we ask God for things, we might be asking for a stone when we need something else. We, we don't know that. And so we think a stone is cool. We think we need a stone. This is how I want to respond. or This is what I need. God's not answering it because He's a good Father. He's going to give us what's beneficial to us. Man, if we could get this locked down, you guys. God is a good God. In His character, He can't do bad things. He can't do wrong, he can't do wrong things. He can't provide us stuff that's bad for us. He just can't do it. It's not in His character. He can only do what's good for us. He can only do what's best for us. And if we're praying for something and we're not seeing an answer, which by the way, God does answer. Yes, no, wait. (laughs) But if we're not getting what we think we should need, then we need to take a step back and say, okay, God, I've been praying for this for a while. I need to get back into your Word and make sure, is this what I really need? Because maybe I think I need it, but I don't need it. Help me to understand what it is that I really need and pursue that in prayer. Because again, you know, if my my kids were to come to me and say, "Hey, our lawnmower broke, and I need something to cut the grass," you know, so I give them scissors. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm willing to go get another lawnmower for them, right? So I'll give them what they ask for if they're going to do life my way. Again, it goes back to Matthew 6:33, seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, seeking to see people come to Christ through me, and also. Help me live life God's way. And so we 
we ask for what we need. We seek God's Word to make sure it is what we need. And then God will remove the barrier. And so the question is, how does this play out where it's placed? He talks about prayer several times in the Sermon on the Mount, but why here? Context is everything. So let me see if I can break it down real quickly. So we treat others or respond to others the way we would want them to respond to us. So as followers of Christ, that's our, we learned this from last week, right? So we don't judge with condemnation. We judge with mercy. We judge with humility. And we judge in order to bring healing to a situation, to help somebody out in their situation. Verse 12, we would want that for ourselves, right? So I would like you guys to judge me, respond to me, and something I may say or something I would do with mercy, with humility, and in order to help me. That's what I would want. It's what I would try to do for you guys. But let's take it to the relationship in your life right now that you're struggling with. Maybe it's a marriage relationship. Maybe it's a a parent-child relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with your boss or a co-worker or a neighbor or a family member. What's the relationship that you are struggling with the most today? That's why Jesus puts it here. Because He's saying, listen, we can judge with condemnation, but all we're going to do is hurt the situation. I want you, as, a, as one of my children, I want you to respond with mercy, I want you to respond with humility, and I want you to respond in such a way to help the other person. Now, ask. What do you need? What is it that I can give you so that you can be merciful, so you can be humble, so you can help the other person that you're having difficulties with. Our tendency is, you fix it first. You change, person that I'm having a difficulty with. Jesus didn't ask us to change before He went to the cross, did He? He doesn't want us to ask them to change. He wants us to respond like He would respond. Like He did respond. And so we ask. We say, Heavenly Father, I've got this relationship issue And I'm looking at what they're doing and I'm angry about it. I'm hurt by it. I'm frustrated by it. And they're wrong. But Lord, help me to understand where I've done wrong. Help me to understand where where I'm not the best spouse, the best parent, the best child, the best co-worker, boss, whatever. Help me to see where that's not right in my life. And then give me whatever it is I need to help this person. And then we seek. Because this is kind of an ongoing thing, right? We're always going to be in, in relationship issues, right? And so then we seek. We get, we get to the Bible and we say, okay, you know, the Bible talks about um, marriage relationships here. It talks about children and parent relationships here. And it talks about um, family relationships here. And it talks about work relationships here. I'm going to start reading through these things and I'm going to ask God, help me to understand the truth of this. And He's going to give me truth. He's going to, Help me understand what it is that I need to do in order to respond. 
And so then we, we continually seek His Word and find out more about what He has to say. And then we, we knock. We do what's necessary as we understand God's leading us to put ourselves in a position where that barrier is removed. Whatever it is. It's probably going to be our issue, by the way. But God's got to work in that situation. God's got to work in your heart. God's got to work in that person's heart. And and as you're doing life God's way, that's going to impact how the other person views you, views what's going on, and God will hopefully be able to, to make their heart a little bit more open to what He has to say because of the way you're responding to that person. Imagine, if you can, the healing that would come in our relationships if we were willing on our end to respond this way. Be willing to respond to them the way we would want them to respond to us. They're not, but we want them to. So I'm going to take the first step and I'm going to respond to them the way I would want them to respond to me. And I'm going to be merciful. And I'm going to be humble. And I'm going to figure out, with God's help, how can I best help the situation. And then I'm going to go to God with it continuously, asking Him, Lord, give me whatever it is I need. I'm going to go to Scripture. Lord, make sure I understand exactly what it is that I need. And then you remove the barrier. You restore the relationship. Help me to be able to enter into that relationship with that person that needs to be restored. You know, as as Christians, you guys, I joked about it last week, it's not easy to be a Christian. You'll say, well, you know, you guys, you Christians, you just need a crutch. Yeah. We're broken. We're messed up. We make stupid choices. We say dumb things. We respond inappropriately. But here's the deal. We've been forgiven of that by Christ, by God. And now He says, with that understanding of who you are and what I've forgiven of you, forgiven you of, go out into your world, get your relationships straightened out. Let God work and maneuver in your heart and in the other person's heart and get that relationship to where God wants it to be. You bring God's Word into that. You bring the Gospel into that if necessary. And God then takes that and restores that relationship. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer.